This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, welcome to Lull's very special edition, a man whose name I feel like we've referenced on this show uh, multiple times over the past uh, year or so. It is, of course, professional sports better, Rufus Peabody. Rufus, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no, we uh, appreciate you coming on. Brian and I have been talking a lot about sports betting lately. A lot of times we'll, uh, you know, be spitballing ideas, how things could get better. And we would often say, I'm sure Rufus has pondered all of these questions many, many a times. Yeah, we're, we're uh, a little bit newbie in some of the, compared to Rufus anyways, and some of the sports betting stuff, but it should be good, good uh, soundboard, hopefully for some of the stuff we've been uh, BSing about for about a year and a half, two years. So what do you, what do you, what do you guys want to want to start with? Well, why don't, uh, I know your your big thing. I of course saw the Peter Jennings hype video for for joining uh, yeah. Unabated. What? Why don't you tell people yeah what's kind of going on with that just to set the stage? Because I don't know if I even fully understand what it is. So yeah, first of all, that that video is amazing. Captain Jack <laughs> yes. uh, produced that and, and put it together, and it was fantastic. And and Peter's a close friend of mine. Obviously, I, you guys know him um, from the DFS community and everything. Um, I've gotten to know him over the last, I guess, three, three or four years. Um, and you know, he, when he, um, when he, I guess, I don't want to say became a free agent, but, um, when he became free agent, like, um, you know, I've always wanted to work with him and, you know, I think he and I kind of share a lot in terms of sort of vision of, um, of sports betting content. He's obviously done a fantastic job, uh, in the DFS space creating, um, you know, fantasy labs and, you know, you know, we're, I mean, he's, he, he definitely fills a niche in our company that we were missing, you know, someone, someone that's a little bit um, of a better, I don't want to say salesperson, but like <laughs> someone who's legitimately like able to um, enthusiastically get an idea out there. And, you know, he's got, you know, amazing connections. He's, you know, I mean, I've, I'm just really psyched to work with him. And I think we kind of share a vision in terms of what we sort of want to see happen in the space and, and sort of products we want to build. So um, he's a huge addition. We're like, couldn't be happier. 
Yeah, we, we call Peter Jennings the mayor because he's uh, connected with everyone. He uh, he knows how to get things done. So yeah, that definitely seems like a great addition. And what what is unabated? It looks like it, you know, you guys have tools, but then I also know, was it the sports betting coalition? Like, have you been merging kind of some of these things under the unabated umbrella? So Massey Peabody is actually under the unabated umbrella. So the American, um, what was it? American Betters Coalition. That oh, that's we, what I was, you know, that, was that was yeah. sort of an idea. That, that I had and that Captain Jack had, and it never really came to fruition. The pandemic happened and suddenly, you know, it was going to be really hard to get funding. We also realized that we're not really good business people. Um, and I mean, it would have been a nonprofit, but, um, you know, we, we were, we would have been, you know, over our heads and it's still, you know, consumer protection is still something I really, really am passionate about, but, um, but unabated is, is, and, and unabated is going to ha definitely have an element of that. Like education is a huge part of it, but it's a, I would say it's a betting tools and education site. I'm really, really bad at the elevator pitch and Captain Jack's really good at it. I generally just start rambling, um, but we're going to provide tools um, to sort of help you. I don't want to say be a better, better, because I, I feel like Spanky's trademarked that, but to be a more intelligent, better, and to sort of guide you along that path to becoming a sharper, better. And so we're not necessarily giving, we're not giving you answers as much as we're giving you the tools to sort of answer the questions um, that you have. And that's kind of like, that's kind of the DNA of the site. And you know, certainly we have some things that are more, I guess, I guess answers in a way like our, we have um, what we call sort of betting tools, which are, you know, we have an odd screen, which I guess integrates with these betting tools. So you can say, you know, what's better minus three, minus one fifteen, or a money line of minus one forty seven. you know, and just because that's something that I find really useful when I'm betting myself, because, you know, it's hard to have all that stuff memorized. But um, but most of the stuff, I mean, we're going to be building a lot of products that are a lot more customizable uh, going forward. A lot of the stuff on there reminds me of the old SBR forum calculator. You remember those? Did you? I don't know if you ever. Yeah, went out, I remember those. Way yeah. Back and, when. and they're they're like, I think they're so old. None of them are updated with. Yeah. With, uh, modern data are you gonna have because you know it's when you say not going to give you the answers it's kind of because in the dfs world the sites kind of give you the answers i guess like they or at least people think they're getting the answers because they're getting projections and ownership projections and it's like with that it's like you could do a whole bunch of stuff is there gonna not gonna give you the answers is there gonna be anything like that so so i mean not picks but are you going to be able to like maybe build a simulator? Cause I see you have a simulation on here, but maybe a little more flexible where you can put in player props or anything like that. Is it going to, you're going to build that out to make it more user user friendly. So like someone like me could put my stuff in there and then run it. Exactly. exactly. I mean, so, so the first thing, the first thing, Built was this NFL simulator, which basically simulates the full NFL season, or I guess from whatever point we are we are at the season onwards. Um, and it takes you can put in your own power ratings or um, use a lot of sort of publicly available canned rating systems we had in there. And that I think the strength of that was it really accounted for dynamic uncertainty. Well, you could customize quarterback injury probability, all this other stuff to sort of really be able to account for the sources of variance and how a team is going to end up. Um, and, and just sort of the range of outcomes, but we also built a NFL prop simulator. So you could put in your projections. You could say, I have a wide receiver projected for 6.7 receptions, 83.2 receiving yards. What does that distribution look like? And so that was for sort of a standard, 
you know, receiver. I don't, I, I can't do the math in my head on what that yards per catch is, but it's, it's simulating at a reception level and, you know, based off of a wide receiver that is at that, you know, in that range, obviously there's a difference between like different, you could have two players with the same yards per reception projection, but very different, you know, route trees and, you know, variants in that. So like in, down the line, we're going to sort of integrate that with projections and, and more player specific stuff. Um, we're working on something for the NBA for that as well. Um, so yes, like that's exactly what we, we we're planning on doing, having very customizable things where you can bring your own projections in and just help you better, um, you know, do these, well, I guess build products that sort of, that make, make it easier for you to quantify, um, you know, all these things that you sort of need to, if you're playing DFS or, or, or betting on props or just, you know, betting sports in general, I guess. How do you, uh, because I do think for, for sports betting, obviously tools make so much sense and can really make the user experience, whether with line shopping and all of the things you're describing to make people sharper sports bettors. How do you f- think about where sports betting content fits into that? Because that's a thing Brian and I talk about a lot, how hard it is to do good sports betting content that isn't just selling picks. I mean, Brian and I kind of refer to the show as almost like a DFS or sports betting lifestyle show. I'm guessing that's kind of how you would describe bet the process, which is a great yeah. show, but how, how do you think yeah. about like, how do you do this content? Well, it's really hard. I mean, I completely agree that it's hard to, to figure out what sports betting content is that can be both valuable, but also, um, I don't want to say scalable, but, but also not like not picks because everybody wants picks, but at the same time, picks, you give them out. If they're good, they lose their value. Um, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's not that interesting. I don't enjoy giving out picks anyway. So, um, it's tough. I think educational thing is a big part of it. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of data driven articles. We have a, we have an awesome, um, array of, well, we have an awesome, um, stable of, of writers that are, that are starting to produce, um, content around different sports, like a lot of, a lot of things in sort of how to build models. Um, but it's, you know, as you said, it's like, I mean, it's, it's difficult. Um, clearly it's, you know, unabated is not going to be like that. The process in that regard where we're clearly targeting, um, we're, we're, we're certainly less of a lifestyle and more of a brand, I guess, and more of a, uh, sort of actionable tools, actionable educational information. But I mean, it, it's something that's going to evolve for sure. Um, but you know, if you have any suggestions, yeah, I'm, I'm open to them. (laughs) I I think for, for NBA, you could, you can do, you could do something fun because NBA, the, the information is changing so fast. It would be kind of cool to have a professional sports better live on stream an hour before the game, you know, once a week or something. I don't know if that's giving away too much edge for that, that guy, but that would be fun. Uh, like, like, okay, I know who, this is where the minutes are going to go here, et cetera, et cetera, something like that, where you're not giving out picks really, you know, you're not telling, you're not hand holding, but it could be a nice hour of, of fun. And that's, that's the DFS worlds. That's their highest views. I think Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, is those live before locks, they can get up to, you know, 3000 live concurrence and stuff like that. And even NBA, uh, pre-lock shows, you could kind of go over, you could kind of make that a little bit fun too, because there's, again, there's a lot of question marks and what's going to happen. A PGA show could be fun. I think a PGA show could be fun, especially for you, Rufus. Um, 
But I mean, like I said, we've been talking about this for two years. Like it's it's pretty boring. It's you know what I mean. It's like oh, here's how you price a prop. It's like wow, yeah. that's not fun content. This is what my model says. See, I think yeah. DFS content is far more interesting, and and I mean, just because of the game theoretic aspect, you don't have that in in regular sports betting. And so I think yeah. that's why you can give out, you can have projections, and yet you're still not giving the answer in a way. Different people can use utilize them in different ways, and. And you can create all sorts of narratives, you know, the whole ownership projections. Um, I mean, I think DFS is far, far more fascinating in terms of, you know, from a content perspective. Yeah. And I, I felt that firsthand. Like I love doing my DFS streams on Sunday morning. It feels like you have this puzzle piece. There's all these different, you know, decision trees you can go down. You can build logical lineups with any one specific player. If you're hell bent on playing that player, like there's so much more that goes to it. Then whereas when I do sports betting content, like I always feel dirty sharing a pick slip or being like, this is the play I'm on. Even if I give a logical reason, it still just feels so binary and uninteresting to me. Well, the, the thing is you can create a narrative for both sides of a pick. You run a model. You don't know, like, you don't know. I don't know why I like a particular golfer on a given week. I can kind of go in there and sort of get yes. But I mean, the answer is because, you know, the market undervalues him relative to my model. Right. But, <laughs> Show's but, you, over. but the thing is you can totally like come up with a narrative that uh, on, on both sides of it. And, and, but the thing is that's narrative sell. I mean, we think of things in stories and nobody yeah. wants to hear, you know, Oh, I have Spanky. this number at twelve point three. So, Spanky says like the best touts can can sell both sides. That's who the best touts are. He said today on his show. Yeah. I listened to the best today. touts a good salesman. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That I mean, it's like a debate club. You know, like you can argue both sides of the debate, and then that means you're the best debater. But Spanky said on his show today he had the the uh, bet MGM. Uh, CEO or whatever, the sportsbook CEO on his show. It probably, I don't know, it probably came out a couple days ago, but I just listened to it. And what Pete just said, like what he feels dirty giving out picks. Like I have a whole different take on gambling than what I hear out of a lot of people. Everyone like has this throat clear of like gambling addiction is something really big and we have to worry about. You can't give out picks because people are stupid and stuff like that. And like in my view, I just think gambling's entertainment and you don't expect money when you go. <sighs> to make money when you go see a movie and it might suck. You might lose and hate it. And you lost your 20 bucks or 50 bucks if you have a date and drinks and stuff like that. And so value subjective and a whole bunch of people are into a whole bunch of weird things. And that's none of my business. So like if you want to give out picks, like we've had talked about on this show, sometimes you bet the opposite of the guy because he sucks. <laughs> or you you're betting with your buddies. Like I have a chat group with my friends, my brother, when we have all these horrible picks, right? Like I'm a professional gambler and I do stupid picks, you know, once a week. It's not for much, right? That just outside of anything that I can handle, like even sides and totals where I know I'm a dog, but it's fun if you're hanging out and having a few beers and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And so like the guilt people feel, I would, I don't know, I would push back on that. And like, and if you're, and if you're going to do content on it, like uh, I wouldn't feel so guilty in the, in the, in the gambling addiction numbers are a lot lower. If you look into the data uh, than most people think, and we've went, we've did a show on it once they're like comparable to like uh, kleptomania rates and stuff like that. And we don't, kleptomania. <laughs> we don't, and we don't like shut down. Right. You know, like, like the Macy's isn't like, Oh, we got to really concern ourselves with the kleptomaniacs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if we should advertise on the Super Bowl. Like, no, they don't give a shit. Right. And, um, and the, and the rate, and it depends on how you define these things like, uh, Drico and our, 
Discord. Had a study a couple days ago. We're in Ireland, uh, you know, where, where he's from. There was like twelve thousand. They died. They they diagnosed twelve thousand severe uh, sports betting gamble gamble holics, and it was like point one percent of the population or something like that. It's like very small. And that was what the low. That's much lower than most of the studies I see. But it, it's even the highest ones are still pretty low compared to a lot of problems people have in society. If you talk about you know eating and you know and all sorts of different things and so like i i just don't i just don't really like going down that road like i feel like it's used against us in terms of regulation and making it illegal and holding us down than it is actually helping people i've worked in politics you know for a few years Mm -hmm. and i know for a fact like a lot of times when they use these things it's from the lobbyists the casinos or somebody else who's trying to shut down poker or dfs they use it when it's in their benefit and, and to, to keep out comp- competition and it really has nothing to do with helping people. So like perpetuating that is just, I don't think it's very helpful from our side. I know that was a long rant, but I don't know <laughs> if you have any thoughts on it. I'd love to hear it. I'll call it the, the Sheldon Adelson argument, huh? Like online gambling is awful. People need to come right. to my casino. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree yeah. with that. I think part of it is just the way to me, the issue is sort of how disingenuous the marketing can be. It's marketing kind of, it's marketing the lottery payout aspects of it. And, you know, in reality, like it's sell, well, it's, I mean, I have a lot of issues with, with it, I guess, but, but in reality, you know, if you're, if you're actually good at this and a winning better, you're going to get limited and not be able to do that. I think that part's disingenuous, but, but I think that the marketing of sort of high hold um, products sort of huge multi-way markets, one-way markets where you can't bet no on something, you know, things like that are just, I mean, they are fairly exploitative and, you know, of course books should be able to offer them. But um, I I think that, you know, if you want sort of a sustainably successful, you know, betting space in the U S I think, you know, if you think like, I guess, compare it to another industry, you know, like entertainment products, going to the movies, you know, if you had to pay a hundred dollars every time you went to the movies or something and you got kicked out halfway through the movie half the time, <laughs> like you're not going to want to, you know, you're not going to want to go back to the movie theater. You know, you're, you're totally cool to, to go do that. But I mean, it, I, I think part of it is, is making it a fun entertainment experience where people feel like they have a chance to win and you know, you're not just raked over the coals, but sorry, that's, this is actually is less about, I've kind of, you know, gone on a tangent away from um, the problem gambling. I don't know how you define problem gambler exactly. I think that there are, you know, the issue to me, and, and I know, you know, like in in Nevada, like having been a better in Nevada for many years, you know, before legalization elsewhere, you know, you can only deposit in sports books physically with cash, which is very difficult. But at the same time, you know, if you can deposit with a credit card, max out a credit card, I mean, I think it, it, it just essentially puts the whole thing on steroids and makes it possible to have um, to lose a lot of money that you don't actually even have for c- certain people. And so, I mean, I think that's, that's an issue, but at the same time for me, like, you know, selfishly all the, the sort of um, the KYC AML stuff is, is sort of an annoyance. And like, it's someone that is betting larger amounts of money and wants to be able to move money pretty easily. It's, it's more difficult. So, I mean, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, though. But I mean, I do agree that, it, like, I mean, I do agree that casinos are do use that as a guise um, for sure. For other things um, to try to limit competition, among other things. Yeah, 
You don't think like you don't think someone with a gambling addiction is going to get away around KYC, right? Like this is a worldwide market. Like we have a professional sports better in front of us, and it's been illegal to bet in most of your adult life in the whole country. You know what I mean? Besides Vegas, so like it's clearly you can get around it, especially with online and the and these gambling studies that are done too. They're done in countries that have had legal gambling for ever, essentially, right? So it's not just the example of Vegas is not, you know, a singular example that we have to like, just look at. And um, uh, I, I was thinking you were going to say in Vegas, like you just see all these gambling, like maybe you see a lot more gambling addiction too. And it's like, yeah, well, I guess if you go to a bar, you can probably see a lot more al- alcoholics too. It's kind of like a bias, a survivorship bias or whatever the outcome mm-hmm. um, in, in that model. And I'm trying to go back to like your first point too was, uh I, I had something to say because you went before the gambling addiction. What was your what was your comment on? Oh, the way the way sports oh. books are marketing. Yeah. So you could also have these two, you could hold these two thoughts and not be contradictory, right? You could say, like, you shouldn't, I don't think they should market that way. I don't think they should limit. But also gambling is is entertainment, value subjective. And I'm not going to use these our enemies' talking points every day in my show and on my website. And even though I know it's a problem and I feel bad for those 12,000 people in Ireland. And as I feel bad for the kleptomaniacs who go to jail or whatever, Mm -hmm. like I'm not going to use my enemies talking points to hurt, you know, what I do and what I value and what I find fun. Um, And, but, but the, the, in the limiting thing, you made the example of the movie theater. Okay. If let's say the movie theater started doing that, kicking people out halfway through the show, what would happen to those movie theaters? They would go under instantly, right? I mean, they would be on, they would, seriously, like in a month, they would be gone. There's a reason sports books don't go under. And it's because their involvement with the government and limiting competition and using these talking points. It's because booking debts is really easy. I mean, doing it really well is difficult, I guess. The last, like, I, it's one of those things where the first, you know, the first 90% of it is really easy. The, the last 10% is harder, getting that 10% right. But there's a reason I've known a lot of dumb bookies in my life. Yeah. Well, on, on that note, uh, historical anomalies in the chat, he, he's coming. He wants the alpha. He says, since you've worked on both sides, <laughs> setting the lines and doing the betting, is there any secret alpha that the books would rather the general public does not know? Or is that 10% you're describing? Is it sometimes the things the books don't know themselves? So I, I have not like when I was at LVSC, I was doing some statistical analysis and stuff, but I wasn't directly setting lines. So I know people on the other side of the counter and everything. I have good relationships, but I've, I've, I've never actually seen, you know, exactly how it works um, on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, I don't think there's any sort of secrets there. I mean, I think it's, um, I mean, you know, all these books have their own algorithms trying to figure out who's sharp and who's not and how much to move lines based on certain people's action. It's, it's not rocket science. It's just like I'm handicapping a game. They're handicapping the handicappers. That yeah. is a good name for a sports book podcast, though. It's not alpha, rocket science. The secret alpha, seeking alpha, <laughs> no. not anything like that. <laughs> I mean, that's every single spaces at the top of my Twitter feed is some NFT oh, alpha spaces. So every, everyone wants alpha these days, Rufus. Yeah. Are you, are you, I, I, I did a podcast with David Manick last week and we uh, talked about like, if we were going to join any company, it would have to have some sort of crypto element in it one way or another, like whether they 
they they they you payment processing in crypto, some sort of NFT thing for fun. Do you guys are you guys? I know you're in the uh, crypto. Are you in NFTs? Are you guys thinking of doing any of that stuff? So Peter actually has Lucky Trader, which has been which is doing great um, in the NFT space. You know, I don't want to say never. I don't know. I mean, that it's certainly I'm not NFTs are, are not my bread and butter. You know, I, as someone who's been in the gambling space for a while, obviously I deal with crypto just for functional reasons. I mean, it's just practical, practically useful. You know, I, I do invest in crypto as well, but um, I'm not an NFT investor really, and so it's sort of out of my it's, I'm out of my element talking about it. The uh, do you, I'm curious though if you have thoughts like you said you know Bitcoin being functional for you as a sports better. I mean that was my first um, experience with it too. Was just trying to get it on and off offshore accounts, and I was like, oh, this actually makes things easy. And I do think it's uh, especially relevant right now with just what's going on in Canada and kind of the overreach with stuff. I mean, with this kind of idea of a freedom to transact as it pertains to you being a sports better, is that something you think about or want to protect against in case, you know, things in the States ever got, you know, bad and it was harder for you to move your money around? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think back, I think it was like in 2010, um, one of my business partners got a check from an offshore sports book and it went through some company in Canada. And so it didn't even say like, you know, it came from, I don't, know, I don't even remember what sports book it was. Um, he cashes it. And the next day, uh, Homeland Security people showed up at his house and he was like, you know, I'm just a sports better. Like, here's a letter from my lawyer. You know, I'm not doing anything illegal. Like if I am, please let me know. I've been, you know, you know, but it's, it just is so diff It was so difficult before crypto really. And so I think, you know, clearly um, it is, you know, clearly there are nefarious use cases for, you know, you could, I mean, yes, you're moving money around with, without having, you know, without doing any sort of KYC or, or, and all stuff. Um, but you know, I, you know, it, it's just easier, right? It's, yeah. I mean, it's the same reason that I don't keep like, if I have cash that I need to use rather than putting it all like in my bank and then, and going and withdrawing it when I need it. Um, I mean, for, for example, for betting on the Super Bowl in Vegas, like I had, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that I needed to bet or that I wanted to bet and did bet, And, you know, I, it's a lot easier to put it like in a safe deposit box or something like that. Because if you, you know, I've gone to the bank before and been like, I like, you know, I want to withdraw 150,000 and they're like, okay, um, we can get that to you in two weeks. And I'm just like, um, I kind of need it now. So it's just, I mean, the, the, and I think that's why, I mean, you know, obviously this isn't my specialty, like talk, I, I you know, the crypto stuff, but I mean, I think that's why it's so necessary. So, I mean, and, and right. Why the traditional financial institutions are, um, hopefully going to change the way they operate. Definitely. Um, real quick, uh, I believe I heard you mention you're going to be on, in Montana on the podcast, but Corey does want to know if you are living in a ski resort. It's almost like too picturesque, the Montana skyline behind you right now. Uh, I, I am in Montana. I'm in Belgrade, Montana. I'm not living in a ski resort. I'm 30 <laughs> minute, I'm a 30 minute drive from Bridger and an hour from Big Sky, but it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful up here. I'm here for a month and just kind of, I mean, it might, it, it is negative 15 degrees outside right now. So, um, but it's really pretty to look at from the inside. I was also though, it seems like you, you packed your, your podcast setup. Cause you got your good mic. That's not a Montana Airbnb, uh, or cam, I should say that you got going there. You got, you got the good stuff. Well, I have, the thing is I have the a, a camera because my laptop's 
camera stopped working like two years ago. And I was, I've, I've never taken the computer in though, because I was like, I, I can't be without it for a few days if they have to fix it. So I just have an <laughs> external camera hookup. It's, it's, it's really inconvenient, but finally this new laptop I ordered, um, got here. And so I'm looking forward to setting that up this week. There but you go. I'm, I'm really lazy. I mean, I got a new phone three months ago and just set it up yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's uh those those things we put on our to-do list and then you just stare at them for months and months and months and, and never get to them. Definitely so you're, no. You're a step ahead. You have a to-do list. I do, but it's so what I've found is I there's like two I have my to-do list, which I won't do stuff on there. If I actually put things on my calendar and schedule things on my to-do list on my calendar, I will do it. Uh, but the to-do list is just completely hypothetical. It's uh it's like the reminders on my phone. It's like reminder to meditate. Whoop. It's just a, <laughs> a new process of me just flipping that reminder off, not me actually doing it. Yeah. It's, it's like the software button. update on your computer. Remind exactly. me tomorrow, every single yeah, time. Yeah, 2 a.m. Um, I wanted to get to a couple of uh, some of the questions we got in the I wanna, uh, I wanna Discord. Talk about, like yeah. practical sports betting, too. What do you think? You want to do that first? You want to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, go for so, it. Yeah. I think some of these dovetail with that as well. So there's a big difference between. Obviously, the, this is Captain Obvious here between like me sports betting and Rufus sports betting. So like I just I bet, I just bet my prop. Well, here, well, right, you tell you're, me you're if I'm wrong. Props. You're you're doing projections. You're you know you have, you know you have a process for that. You know it's data driven. Like not that portion. I'm not talking about that. So okay. like I'm talking about getting down. So like I I'll I bet the sites that are legal here in Illinois. Um, and then I've been limited on, on, I don't know, most of them. And, you know, I'm, that's it for me pretty much. You know what I mean? Like, and once they're all, once they're all gone, I'm kind of out of luck and I could go down the, uh, whatever, like the Bitcoin sites and the offshores and the little more riskier ones and stuff like that. But like, I don't want to, first of all, cause DFS is my main thing anyway. So it's not worth my time. Mm-hmm. So, but for you, you you uh you get down you have like a partner who gets down for you and you do it right am i um i'm not like giving away the the farm here right so i have a business partner um and then we have lots of betting partners as well so it's you know in a way it's not exactly the spanky model but it incorporates some of that in, in the fact that you know we have you know partner with people you know in the uk and ireland um so that we can get access to those markets and you know, we have a, a profit share and we pay, we pay, uh, trading costs and, you know, it's, we have credit accounts at some of these big offshore books, which are nice. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of just, you know, it's always changing. It really is. It's, it's you know, now, now we have betting partners in, in us states as well. But so don't, I don't so do as much with the sort of the paperhead stuff, but, um, you know, that's, that's just how it is right now. It's easier, but um, I don't know. It's, it's always, it's constantly evolving. So I'm thinking about like your average better, your unabated subscriber, like, okay, they're going to come into it below, you know, let's just say it below, below my level. So they're going to have to learn how to do some projections at least or something. They're going to have to learn how to price. They're going to, you know, and then they're going to get to that level. Then they're going to get some money down. Then they're probably going to get limited. Then what? Um, get more outs. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> right. Cause isn't that like where the, 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 the divide between the, the divide between us besides the, the, you could do sides and totals and I can't come close to that, but like 
is really that is that big. You know what I mean? I'm actually where's my camera here? You know, it's it's huge because I'm I'm not I don't want to get that like is there an is there a space for like I've thought I had some ideas off stream where like guys can get together and get you know maybe start their own little syndicate right and getting outs from people maybe you could use a DAO we've had a show on this I know you're not totally into NFTs and that type of stuff but maybe you know like you could even fundraise for your for yourself through a DAO or something like that. I'm just spitballing here, but like there is something you got to do something. Like if you want to keep betting, I had this idea for sort of what I what I call the Spanky Exchange, where you get you get whales, people that can bet big in these legal sports books. Um, they can sort of sharp to you know um, to work with, and sharp can can play, and, and you know they they figure out their own. I mean it, their own um, arrangement and everything. But I mean I I just thought the idea of I guess having a marketplace for that. Um, you know, that's not something I'm planning on. Actually, This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces. Plus 24 seven customer support. His venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by Granger. For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply building right now but i do think that um i think that you know the, the real reason to get betting partners is is about scaling it's about being able to bet more than than i would be able to otherwise i mean i think if i was betting small it would just be about having a few good outs that you know so i can price shop um you know there there are solid ones you know like bet online bookmaker i mean if you're not in the us pinnacle um, you know there, there's some other ones as well like i mean i think as long as you're not doing anything shady you know they're there's plenty of offshore sites that you can bet at until they limit you. But, and I think there's ways to not get limited. I think that's part of the art to, there's ways to not get limited at us books as well. I mean, if you're going to be chasing steam and stuff like that, um, you know, betting right after there's a, you know, beating them to beating the book to player injury news for basketball, stuff like that, you know, they're not, they're clearly not going to have as much tolerance for your action versus if you're, um, I guess, just beating them, with your own handicapping and stuff like that. But obviously that's a, that's a harder way to win generally as well. There's a threshold. So, uh, there's more, yeah. No, I was just, I'm curious about that. Cause I would have just assumed that their algorithms were just kind of looking at your overall profit, you know, and if you're beating them consistently, but you're saying that their data might be able to splice out as granular and be able to tell that you're beating them to the punch on news and not necessarily beating them on obscure prop bets or whatever. I mean, I think prop bets, you know, prop bets, live bets, that kind of thing um, will certainly flag you. But it's, I think it's about getting good closing line value. That's, okay. I mean, that's the way books judge this. Or at least that's what they should be judging it. I think their yeah. algorithms are looking at that. The BetGM guy said uh, on Spanky's pod too that they also do, they're looking for multi-accounts. 
And I could see in the kind of the new DFS setup, like right angle sports does where they'll have a bet prop bets and DFS, obviously, and they'll, they'll line it up and then everyone bets at once. So everyone could get it in. I could see that algorithm that bet MGM has just limiting regular guys who are doing that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Cause they're, they're not working with these other people or like Adam Levitan's props or something that he released this year, things like that. He was, he was moving the prop markets. You know, it's exactly, yeah, I think they're, I mean, that's why I think a lot of these algorithms are making a critical mistake and they're, they're actually limiting a lot of people that are not going to be long-term winners. And maybe, maybe they have a few sharp bets they're placing, you know, with right angle sports or something, but they're probably going to be giving it back in, in other areas. Yeah. Um, one question that uh, I'd got from Justin Freeman from run the Sims. He said he would love to know your thoughts on the Kelly criterion or whether the game is simply getting down as much action as possible on every plus EV bet you can find, which obviously, you know, ties into, you know, not getting down too much that you're going to get yourself flagged. So I haven't really thought a lot about the Kelly criterion in years. Um, it's something that I actually did u- utilize extensively when I was sort of getting started just because I, you know, I didn't want to overexpose myself. And I, I used a, like a multi a Kelly multiplier. I used like a quarter Kelly. And the other thing is defining your bankroll is really difficult. Like I have no idea how I define my bankroll right now. You know, I have a lot, I can get down in credit. Um, you know, it's, I don't have, I don't, yeah. I mean, I guess I define it as like my sort of semi-liquid net worth. I don't know, but, um, I think certainly if you're a smaller better, it's, definitely useful to use to make sure that you're not um over betting your bankroll but using full kelly is is you know playing with fire <laughs> i would never do that because you have to be able to like I, I, the problem is you need to be able to quantify your edge right to utilize it well i mean it's it's so useful in something like blackjack because you know your edge is fairly easy to quantify there it's a closed system but you just even even if you know that you know your this has been your edge in the past you know um yeah. And that, that let's say you're hitting 50, you're returning 50% of your theoretical, like that may not continue. So, yeah. Can I, can I, I, I've always, I always have been very conservative. Yeah. Sorry. You you, you broke up there. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to echo that same thing with DFS. We say on this show, almost verbatim people, they'll, they'll, they'll plug their DFS results in the roto tracker. And then it'll say, you know, I am this um, um, I have this much EV or whatever. And it's like, okay, then I should enter everything. And it's like, no, you probably shouldn't. Like you gotta like in every season, things are different. You don't know if you're the competition's the same. You don't know if the, like during COVID things were different than before COVID. So like, uh, you know, full Kelly's aggressive anyways, for just generally speaking, like at least back when I was using it. Um, so like, just ha- like n- knowing your edge, is a lot tougher. And I'm the reason I'm saying this because I hear it on a lot of DFS podcasts. Like, well, what's your edge? What's your edge? It's like, you guys don't know what your edge is. I don't think. I don't think you really do. No, I mean, especially if you're entering these big GPPs where, you know, you could be, I mean, what most of the equity comes from winning, like, you know, getting first or second, right? And so it's, yeah. you know, yeah. you can, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like there's probably a lot of people that are considered DFS pros, like that are considered, you know, DFS winning players that have just gotten lucky they've hit a few big ones or even at one big one right yeah yeah it's i feel like it's like the amount i guess the the 
I would guess it just takes a lot longer to really have a, a really good sense if someone's actually a winner or not, or, or to, and to quantify their edge, right? It's yeah. It's not a 50, 50. It's not, a, you know, a sports bet. It's you're against 30,000 people, you know, like tomorrow's golf is 50, 50, some thousand. Yeah. And it's getting bigger. Golf is getting bigger. Well, that that's something I've asked Brian before too, because I know you know Brian is always working to tweak and improve his model for DFS and kind of trying to know when do you let things ride because it's just variance, or when do you worry that there's actually a fundamental flaw with your process or the meta of the games have changed? I know you uh, obviously work with models for a lot of your sports betting. How do you think through that idea of getting a large enough sample size, but also being reactive to to new trends and data points? It's tough. It, it is tough to know. You know, I've you're going to have bumps and bruises along the way. That's natural. But I think that I think that when things are going poorly, at least for me, that's what sort of inspires me to work harder and sort of to delve into my process and sort of see if there's anything wrong that I'm missing, you know, versus when things are going well, you know, you're just on cruise control. I don't think, you know, it's, it's kind of like life, right? You grow through adversity. I think that's you know, big jumps you make happen when, you know, as a result of something bad. And so I think that's been sort of adaptive for me, but you know, I've had a losing start to the year for golf this year. I have a few things on my to-do list that I kind of want to want to tackle in terms of uh, some stuff with with updating round projections and things like that. Um, but it's it's about having time to do it too. That's that's the other that's the other problem. But you know, I think that clearly there are lots of lead, you know leading indicators of of success. Like if you're still getting good closing line value and things like that. I mean that you know that's you know, that would say that your process is, is pretty good versus, you know, if you were getting closing line value and suddenly you're not, then I would certainly be concerned. Yeah. Do you like, do you relish those challenges or when you think something might be changing and you're, you go and be like, Hey, this might be the frontier of a new edge, or do you wish you could just put it in cruise control, whatever your ROI is on a good year and just, and just, you know, skiing in Montana. It's a good question. I feel like there's times when I want the the latter and times when I want the former is yeah. I can't work as hard as I used to. It's uh, just, it's just, just, you don't have that, that hunger to kind of tackle new things quite as much. I have the, I have the ideas, but it's like, I don't have the, I just, I have a lot going on. So I just don't have the time to grind as much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, I tease Brian for uh, never taking vacations. He finally took a, a nice vacation here in this past month. You're looking uh, refreshed and rejuvenated, Brian. <laughs> Brian, where'd you go? Florida. Nice. St. St. Pete area, kind of Tampa area. How long had it been since you'd taken a vacation? Uh, I don't know. Like that, I don't know, years, long time. I went, I didn't take a vacation probably from 2009 through 2019, I think. Burning Man 2019 was the first vacation I took in 10 years, and it was incredibly refreshing, restorative, and I came back motivated. (laughs) Nice. I came back hungover. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
What one other thing I wanted to ask you, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot too, is um, you know, how you think of the future of sports betting. And I know you had an experience with uh the sports betting uh competition that DraftKings put on, uh, but thinking through the lens of peer-to-peer sports betting, because whenever we're kind of talking through things, it always seems like pie in the sky, hypothetical, like that would be the ideal version of sports betting. Do you think that will ever become a reality or as you experience, are there just too many kind of structural flaws to, to making that work? You're talking about the sports betting national championship? That and just peer-to-peer sports betting in general. I mean, I think it was a fantastic concept. I loved it. I think there's, I, I think I thought there were more issues with collusion. And then upon taking a sort of a closer look at it and kind of running some simulations, I kind of realized that actually I don't think collusion is as big an issue as I thought there. But um, I think, you know, obviously, if, I think if that, that concept has a, has a ton of promise, it just, they, you know, need to execute it well from a tech perspective. Um, I, I clearly do think the, the future of sports betting, there's going to be a lot more peer-to-peer stuff. I'm excited for exchanges. Um, I'm an advisor for Sport Trade. They're going to be launching in New Jersey. And it was just announced, I think, today or yesterday, a few other states they're going to be launching in later this year and early next year. So. Um, I'm hopeful for that because, you know, from my perspective, it allows me to get down more money in a way that's sort of like pseudo anonymous where I'm not, um, you know, no, I'm not going to leave the same sort of imprint in the market. Um, and it also allows me to, to seed markets and to sort of scale things in a way, assuming there's liquidity there. So, um, you know, to me, it just makes too much economic sense for it not to happen, but there are people that believe it. That, that do not believe exchanges and sort of the peer-to-peer thing will will be the future. Um, we'll see, right? I mean, do you get, like, would you like to live in a world where there's a sports betting equivalent to, you know, Levitan will post his head-to-heads and because he's Adam Levitan, people want to play him and they'll scoop their his head-to-heads and they're not working as hard. They don't know the cash game stuff as well as he does and he's getting it in good. I mean, do you wish there was a sports betting equivalent of that where people could scoop your action, your lines? You know, I, I've never thought about it like that. I don't know why anybody would want to, well, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that, but I mean, I, I think that, you know, I'd be wanting to play the worst people possible, right? Yeah. I wouldn't want Value to go subjective. In, in, in anything fantasy related. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to think like how that would look for the, for the peer to peer stuff. Cause you were mentioning you would have to probably be more anonymous, but the Levitan thing's an interesting example where it's like, people know he's really good. And yet, because it's fun for them, almost on an entertainment factor, mm-hmm. they want to to play against him so they can show their head to head versus Adam. So I think some I think games like Calcutta's, I think having more of these sort of creative um, different games, not just regular sports betting, but like I mean, we've done these Calcutta's and I've gotten like destroyed um, in them last year in, in golf, but for the for bet the process. And, and I think the types of things are just really fun. Like there it's, it, it blends, you know, sports betting game theory. Um, you know, it, and so I think that, I think we'll, you'll see more of those types of things, just sort of different games. And and I'm sure there'll be things out there that, that I haven't thought of and, and that it'll be fun to sort of evaluate. Yeah. That's why we need competition is because the things we can't think of will pop up and, and come from that. The, if you get, if you remember the old, the old like full tilt uh, poker site, when a pro, even good ones, Phil Ivey would have to play like the lower limits, you know, for marketing purposes. Mm-hmm. 
the it would you know the line would fill uh, you know 200 deep to get on that table because everyone wants to play against Phil Ivy. So I think you'd be surprised if you started posting as Rufus Peabody on some exchange, you'd pick up some action just from just from people wanting to have fun. I'm I'm no Phil Ivy though, so I think you know <laughs> it, some celebrity. It's like you know, of course you'd want to play with them for the story. What uh, I know. Uh, do you get do you gamble when you're out on the on the golf course? Will you get down uh, some good action there? Or is that just more more casual? More casual. I think the most I've ever won or lost in a round is a few hundred bucks. Okay. I'm not, right. Yeah. Are there I don't know. are there other do you are there places where you allow yourself to say gamble more high stakes, but in maybe a less positive EV way? Or are you kind of dialed in where it's just so hard for you to get it in bad? Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm with Jeff Ma in Vegas, I'll play craps with him. I don't play to the, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't push as hard as he does, but uh, you know, I'll say the, the bet, the process Calcutta is for sports other than golf. I think, you know, my EV is fairly neutral. Um, I think it's, I still think it's slightly positive. And I think, I think my drafting strategy is positive EV for sure, but you know, it's everybody going off basically the same information. It's just kind of fun. So yeah, clearly, I mean, I, I enjoy, I enjoy stuff like that still. Yeah. For people who don't know, I mean, I, I conceptually understand Calcutta's, but could you explain it to people just how those work? Because they, whenever I hear you guys talk about it, it does sound like lots of fun. Sure. It's, it's simply put an auction draft where payouts are determined by some sort of structure you determine beforehand. It could be as simple as, you know, you could have a Calcutta where the winner of a golf tournament or a game with, you know, winner takes all, right? But you you bid on all these different various entities, teams, players, whatever, and and um, and the payout is a percentage of the total pot. So you don't know what the pot is beforehand. There's no salary cap, no budget, or anything like that. And so there's a lot of sort of game theory in the in the sort of auctioning process in terms of you know how how aggressively to bid early, mid, middle, late. You have to because the value of um, the value you get is based on the the prices that all the other entities go for because uh, that determines the total pot. So I, I, I think it's fascinating. Uh, you know, I had never done a Calcutta before last year and now I'm like obsessed with that. <laughs> yeah. And it, it seems like the like strategy can just, ch yeah. Change from Calcutta to Calcutta. Like I feel like it would be hard to do Calcutta content, right? Like how, to even understand how you would go about being good at those, you know, oh, I, have, I have some theories. I believe there is a strictly dominant strategy, but. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Is that, is that, we're going to be able to uh, be able to find an article about that on uh, unabated? Maybe I think I've said it before. I mean, own the first, unless you're undercapitalized, you need to own the first team. Like it is, you will never, if you, if you bid properly and you own the first team, the worst case scenario is going to be that you own the entire Calcutta and all your friends will hate you, but you'll have an EV of zero. Right. So it just, it just ends right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Problem is if everybody has this, if everybody goes in with this strategy, then suddenly the Calcutta becomes worth a gazillion dollars. And then, you know, that's kind of what's happened it's with that. The prisoner's process. dilemma oh, type of situation. Sorry. Prisoner's dilemma type of uh, situation there. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you're, I mean, it does, I think there's some wrinkles you could throw in, into as well if you wanted to sort of make it a little bit, make, I guess, a little more strategic in terms of like, if you bid on a team, you can't bid on, if you win a team, you can't bid on the next team or something like that, right? So that would disincentivize it a little bit. 
but I think without the because without without a without a sort of salary cap or budget, certainly someone well capitalized um, is going to be at a is going to be an advantage. Kind of like a poker table, right? If you have, you know, if you have a bigger chip stack, you can bully people around. All right the the chat is getting restless, Brian. Our first chat way back at eight oh three was who's the golf plays this week? <laughs> Mark just came in here, uh, says PGA picks this week. They're they're sick of this uh, high level sports betting talk. They do just want to know the answers to the test, <laughs> Rufus. Uh, Brian and Rufus, do you guys have any uh, takes on the on the Honda Classic here? I have my exposures up for tomorrow. Um, uh, who are we have on? We're heavy on one on your guy. I, I'm I'm uh, nervous that Rufus is gonna be like, "That's the worst. That's the worst bet ever." I got I got some uh, decent amount of Ian Poulter. Ian Poulter. I Ian forgot Poulter, he was yeah. associated with my brand. Was it, um, and, was it the uh, Honda Classic years ago? Tommy Fleetwood. So I actually don't even know who I'm on. Um, I'd have to ask my brother that. I can pull up the spreadsheet and see, but and and betting is gonna be different than DFS, obviously. Of course, salaries and ownership and all sorts of things and i did do ownership this week if you guys want it's free on my site so have at it well i mean we only we do only have here a little less than 10 minutes but as is tradition (laughs) here i figure why we have rufus we might as well just just build uh, a pga lineup here for for the people our last one we actually had a sweat heading into sunday on our last one yeah so i had the 11th best lineup according to uh nelson adcock um going into sunday and I finished 505th. So that tells you how our Sunday went. Yeah. That was not good. Do you, that was do like you a still bottom dabble? 1% outcome. Rufus, do you still dabble at all in uh, PGA DFS or strictly sports betting right now? I haven't. I, I did it for uh, for a few years and I realized that I was kind of in a way chasing my own steam. And it was, <laughs> uh, I'm convinced that my best, like I'd be better off essentially fading, fading my projections in the GPPs. Use huh, your use your DFS as a hedge book to your your sports bets. Yeah, that's funny because that is that is how I come up with a lot of my stuff. Is I I dive into specific betting markets and notice some differences and uh, adjust from there. So I noticed, like I just noticed, like and maybe I was overreacting to like a bad year in DFS, but that essentially all the guys that I shared value on, like there was a ton, like, you know, like they ended up being really, really highly owned generally. And, you know, yeah. If DFS locked earlier, it'd be perfect for you. Cause then you could just Mm -hmm. lock all your lineups and then bet (laughs) and you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Uh, Um, well, I'm just going to do it. I mean, if you told me Ian Poulter's popping in your stuff. <laughs> well, uh, then that's definitely... my pick. <laughs> no, no, I took it. You, you have the rest of your exposures. I have nothing. Okay. Well, then, all right, who, who are we going next? Me or Rufus? Yeah, you, you go next. All right. Let's. Well, then let's throw in Fleetwood. I'll, I'll jinx my lineups. I'll jinx my DFS lineups. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Sometimes you use this lineup to hedge against your 150 set. But I didn't do that last week, and we did good. So you got to keep it rolling. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's always a moving target here. Now, Rufus, I know, I know you're not in the DFS salaries, but there are, it's it's literally just whoever you want. We're just we're just bullshitting around here. Yeah. I'm going to pull up my little sheet with my, okay. with my well, numbers here. So. And while he's doing that, Pete, we had a problem on Twitter. Yeah. A lot of dupe me bros out there. I don't know if you saw. Oh, I meant to ask you. I didn't even get to check how many people had duped us. 
there was like three or four because we were doing so well up until Sunday that like three or four people tweeted their lineups at us. They did make one pivot. It seemed like though, it didn't seem okay. like there was an actual dupe. We can't prove it, but there, there, people are actually watching this show and copying our lamps that we're just that making that, up on the spot. Oh my god, <laughs> that's that's the here's the rule, guys. Oh. Um, you can dupe us. Five out of six. You can't dupe us six out of six. And then that way, if our Lowell's portfolio does well, one of us should, you know, have a really nice day. But no six of six dupes. That's that's not nice. Well, it's just bad for everybody. I know. Exactly. <laughs> like it's we don't want them to dupe us. We a really, really, really negative EV strategy. <laughs> um, all right. They do it anyways. Who do you who do you like this week? Could be in a vacuum, doesn't have to be price sensitive. We'll make it work. Um I like Cameron Young. Ooh, okay. I mean, he's pretty All far right. down there. He's been playing quite well. Um, that well, oh, okay. He's yeah. He uh, he had a good week last week, right? He did. I yeah. got seven percent. Okay. Um, well, you have him projected it, at seven percent? No, said? I have him in seven percent of my lineups. Oh, okay. Of my hundred fifty. What do you have his ownership projected at, Brian? I don't have that. Up. Oh, wait, yeah, I do. Uh. I have him at twelve point six percent. So he's he looks like he's about the twelfth highest owned. Uh, okay, according to mine, so that means he's gonna be pretty popular. Just Where real quick, like, oh, where's the guy like Johnny Vegas priced? He should be pretty low. Well, this is a pretty weak field, though. Yeah, eighty five hundred. Okay. I mean, I would I, I would think I'd like him. All right. Let's say you can pick for me, Rufus, because He's I do not like have 12. a sheet. Oh, okay. So are we just are we alternating? Sorry, I didn't. No, know. no, no. no we're, there's a, I'm, I'm we glad have, to not have to to ruin this. Um, it's a jo- joint effort. We have 7,700 average salary left, so we are probably going to need to go down here, guys. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have to save some money here with a sub. I don't know, 7,500 guy. What, what do you, What do you think about? And I'm not making this my pick. What do you think about Chase Seifert this week? He Monday qualified, right? He's got, yeah, he's, he's compared to his salary, 6,400. Make him 639 to one to win. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> I like those odds. So you're saying there's a chance. He's at 6,400. He doesn't have to win, but um, a top 20. Like there's got to be better value. There's got to be better value there. Okay. What's like a guy like here? What's someone like you know Brendan Steele or something like that? Steele is seventy two hundred. Seventy two hundred. Okay. That so if we did steal at seventy two, that would put us up with eighty two hundred remaining. Gets you up to like the Woodland Knox, Busenhoit, uh, more tier. Mm-hmm. Who do we do we like the do we like anyone up in this range? This is Let's don't see. dupe me territory. This is don't dupe me territory. It yeah, let's see. What about Denny? I kind of like Denny McCartney. I know that's that's probably good. Knox is only eighty one hundred. Wait, what do I have him at? Yeah, I have him eighty six to one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much salary. We could, I mean, we could drop down from Fleetwood, but I like. Uh, I've already fallen in love with Fleetwood in this lineup, Brian. Okay, all right. I think Woodland and Knox are around. I have them right around the same. Okay. Like 75 to one, Knox 86 to one. So, Brian, let's break some ties with uh, ownership here. Okay. Woodland 6%. Uh, who's the other one, Knox? Yeah. Knox at eight and a half. Okay. 
So Woodland's lower. Gary Woodland, yeah. Expect like you know a plus six on day one. It could easily happen with that guy. <laughs> hey, you know we'll ride. So look, uh, if you're building this exact lineup, uh, Knox is fair play. Uh, you cannot roll out Gary Woodland to to round this out in yours. And uh, we will three way chop this for a million dollars. Rufus, how does that sound? Sounds good to me. Uh, well, we really uh, appreciate you coming on, taking some time uh, away from the, the glorious pines there in uh, Montana. Obviously, unabated, check you out on Twitter at Rufus Peabody. Anything else you'd like to uh, to plug while, you, while you're here? Just at the process podcast, unabated.com. There you go. Brian, uh, anything from you? Uh, Brick75. Oh, we, 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 we went live on Twitch. Oh, yeah. We did. We're, we're switching it up. We had been simulcasting to both my channel and Brian's YouTube. We're going to uh, pivot that to my channel and Brian's Twitch. So if we have any Twitch heads, I didn't see any Twitch chatters tonight, but they will come, Brian, if we build it. I forgot will come. to mention it. Yeah. It's just my name, Brian Hooper. Brian used Hooper. To, to use the, the handle there. My website, I got the P, PGA up. Obviously, there's no other sports going, so that's all I have on there. And um, I got a sports betting app. I actually wouldn't mind talking to Rufus. We don't have any time, but just like a, it's just like an overlay, Rufus. So like you you upload projections your own or some site if you pay for Osmos or ETRs or something, and it just overlays the the prop number right next to the right next to the uh, number on the on the DraftKings site. So if like it's seventeen and a half minus one twenty, and Osmo has them at twenty, like you see that instantly. It just takes a cute couple seconds. I I mean I'm always trying to make things for myself like way easier. I think and so. Anyways, people want to check no, it I out. Think that sounds amazing. I mean, obviously, like um, ease of execution is super, super important. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It can get it can get so like, okay, what do I need? And then I got to go to unabated, and then price this, and then I got to go back and then look again. And it's it's control F. It's it can get pretty annoying. Um, shout out to Willis for heading over to Twitch to fire off the first ever Lowell's, uh Twitch comment. Thank you, Willis. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. Also, one other programming note. Uh, at least it for sure next week and maybe going forward, I'm going to be gone two weeks from that. But Brian and I are contemplating shifting to a, a later afternoon time slot for Lowell's. And next week we will for sure be at 4 p.m. Eastern. We have another guest. Uh, once I get that all confirmed and locked in, we'll let you guys know. But thank you guys again for tuning in tonight. Thank you to Rufus, to Brian, everyone hanging out in the chat. Good luck this weekend. We will see you guys next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.